0: You're listening to CRST Podcast from Bryn Mawr Communications.
1: Hello, I'm Carolini Maya Rocha, Associate Professor of Ophthalmology and Director of corneal Refractive Surgery at Storm Eye Institute, Medical University of South Carolina. I'll be sitting in as moderator for this episode of CRST, the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The February issue of CRST for which I served as guest medical editor features articles that explore the latest IOL technologies and provide information about their design concepts, advantages and disadvantages. Today, I am joined by the two of the issue's authors, Dr. Mark Lobanoff and Dr. George Waring, uh, for a discussion of their articles, which explore challenges in IOL inventory, management, and how to address them to increase efficiency, as well as the positive and negative ripple effects of expanded IOL options. Mark, George, thank you very much for joining us today and to um, share all the important uh, considerations and new presbyopia correcting IOLs.
0: Um, Would you like to briefly introduce yourselves? I'll jump in. I guess I'll go first. This is Mark Lobanoff. I practice up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. My clinic is OVO, LASIK, and LENS, and I've been a cataract refractive surgeon now for a little over 20 years.
2: Hi, it's George Waring from Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. It's just a thrill and pleasure to be with Mark and Carolini, uh, and I'm also a uh, LENS cornea refractive and cataract specialist at the Waring Vision Institute. And uh, I think this is just a great topic and look forward to having a lively discussion.
1: Great. George, let's start with your article. Uh, great job. And again, thank you for um, participating. So your article dives into the pros and cons of expanded presbyopic correcting IOL options. Can you outline the upsides to having so many options as described in your article?
2: Carolina, uh, we live in an unprecedented time where we have more options than ever to serve our patients well. And with the landscape that's rapidly evolved over our careers, and I um, can't wait to hear Mark's thoughts on this as well. We're, we're doing more and more lens-based procedures. And this is not only for refractive cataract surgery, but also for refractive lens surgery in general, uh, and for the treatment of presbyopia and hyperopia. And so we're so fortunate to have options where we can truly customize the approach, not only to each individual but also to each eye itself, treating each eye as an individual. And this has led to uh, not only a, a, a broader functionality that we can offer uh, with the best tolerability that we've had access to in history, um, but really allows us to customize the approach uh, for all different levels of eye health and relative candidacy, and so this is just a really wonderful time to do what we do, and be able to deliver the outcomes that we can deliver. And um, I mean, I'm just really excited to hear uh, Mark's thoughts on on the kind of the the what it's like from his perspective, and um, you know, kind of on the upsides of having all the options that we have these days.
0: George, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, we really live in the golden age of IOLs right now. There are so many options. Everything from Edof lenses. We've seen tremendous advancements in the evolution of multifocal lenses, the new trifocal lenses, um, and then things that are somewhat in between. Things like the eye extended depth of field and the um uh, you know, to our general lenses and all sorts of toric options that are available. On top of this, even new lenses that are just about to hit the market, like the IC8 small aperture lenses. So I completely agree with you. We are really seeing as a revolution in refractive surgery. For the last 10 years, we've been thinking a lot of refractive cataract surgery. And right now, my practice is evolving quite a bit for that age group between about 45 And 55, where perhaps in the past we would reach for LASIK, now more and more turning to refractive lens exchange for those patients. So very exciting, but presents some unique challenges. How do you discuss so many options, which are different and sometimes in subtle ways with patients and do that in an efficient manner and make sure we're delivering the best care for our patients?
1: George and Mark, those are really great comments, I agree, and I think it's just so important to really understand the technology, and then you can share with your patients, you know, what to expect after surgery. So, Dr. Waring, um, can you share some cons, you know, of expanded IOL options, as you described in your article?
2: Well... You know, Mark alluded to the um, the fact that this does not only present unprecedented opportunity, but also um, new considerations that perhaps we've not had to manage uh, to this degree in the past because we really had not had so many options, and this is this has led to um, an evolving decision-making process of which is um, very intuitive to the three of us, um, but perhaps not to um, the greater population that may be starting to embrace presbyopia correction, lens-based correction, um, uh, terricity, uh, decision-making, astigmatic correction in general. So um, this is, it really does require sort of an elevated and, um, willingness to evolve in your decision-making as to what may be in the best interest of your patients. And again, it's not just a, um, a one size fits all discussion anymore. And I think that really sort of sums up the, the primary, um, con, uh, consideration. And I don't really think of this as a con. I think this is, uh, we're trying to think of everything in a positive light, but with, more options comes increasing complexity. So we're constantly optimizing our efficiency and trying to streamline the process to, um, to minimize, uh, chair time, maximize efficiency. And that's really, um, in the best interest of our patients to a degree as well, because in, in our clinic and and I'm sure you all would agree, we, we, Try to value our patients' time as much or more than ours, uh, because everybody is busy. Everybody, uh, particularly in these younger generations that we're serving, you know, people want the information and they want it concise, and um, and they like to make their decisions and move on. And so, furthermore, for our patient, for our not only our patients but also our staff this requires constantly evolving and streamlined processes with constantly updating our um, our information internally and that's not only to keep things accurate and precise but it's also to cut down on um, any risk of medical error because we have so many different options Uh, and um, and of course as we get more options costs change and costs increase and so more and more we're constantly having to update that as well so any one change sends a ripple effect through not only our internally but also um, in the surgery centers that we participate with so there's it's it's an it's a more complex uh, circumstance that really does require uh, a a very very careful and unified effort to make sure that, that everybody's staying um, up-to-date and aligned.
1: George, this is such a great transition to Dr. Lominov's article. You know, he wrote on IOL inventory management and space constraints, and I think this will be so helpful for surgeons. Uh, Mark, would you like to share with us, you know, what you um, discuss uh, in your
0: article? Absolutely. So um, to give you some background on on my experience with this, for the last 16 years, I managed a multi-specialty ASC, which was used by our ophthalmology practice and only recently transitioned out into private practice on my own where I've built an IOR. So I'm, I'm very familiar with the processes that take place both in an ASC setting and in an IOR. But one of the greatest challenges is we have so many options. We have so many lenses. And as surgeons, we want things immediately and we want things on the fly. And so, if you're doing a case and right before the case, you know, you've talked to this patient perhaps at length about two or three different lens choices, you thought you both had decided on the right choice for this patient, but you know, the patient talked to her family member and decided at the last second she wants a different lens. Certainly, as a surgeon, you want to try to meet that expectation and have that lens in stock in your center. Um, but the problem is, as the choices of lenses begins to explode, how do you manage all that inventory? So, you know, you think of all the different lens options offered by J&J and Elcon and BNL and and, you know, sight, and you think about ACI walls, which are needed in case there's a problem, or perhaps three-piece sulcus eyewalls. You think about all the toric powers And are you going to just stock the lower torque powers, which are more commonly used? Are you going to stock the higher powers, you know, four, five, six diopter correcting IOLs? It's nice to say I want everything, but the problem is managing that inventory. So the staff, one of the surprising things to me is that in this day and age, most ASCs across the country still operate on paper. You know, we all made the transition to EMR a number of years ago, Um, and most of our records are electronic. But you get to the ASC, and surprisingly, it's back to the days of paper and pen. And these inventories are often managed with faxes. And it's amazing if you sit down with the staff at an ASC and you say, how much time does it take you, when you have three or four surgeons using the center, to do inventory management for just a basic set of maybe five to six lenses in stock, it takes them hours per day. And so I think one of the things that we really need to do is to see in the industry a transition and utilize technology to help us manage the complexity of our inventories. And there's many different software platforms that are starting to roll out. And I think you're gonna see more and more of this over the next two to three years. And it's really gonna become a necessity that we have technology assist us become more efficient in these centers and really understand what the inventories are and why are we actually holding on to certain lenses? Are we using them enough? You want to make sure that you are being efficient with the resources at your center.
2: You know, Mark, I think that's such an interesting um, point, and and with and it's just a great example too because you've had both experiences uh, in a in a single surgeon uh, center and in a multi uh, surgeon center, and you've perfectly described as a contemporary you know, lens and lens refractive and refractive cataract surgeon um, to, to have that ability on the fly to customize this and to make the changes uh, as, as we need to do um, that. This is very, very complex. And then when we add the other practice patterns and preferences uh, for those of us that are um uh, associated or a, a partner in a multi surgeon um, s- surgical center, then that also can inf- can become infinitely more complicated because everybody has a different practice pattern, and um, and these are these are uh, difficult discussions because um, just like you said, there's a there's a a process an algorithmic process whereby we have to go through. And now more than ever, constantly ask ourselves exactly like you said, how important is it to a stock lens X, Y or Z? And we sort of take the closet approach these days where it's almost a requirement that if we're going to um, agree as a group to adopt, um, consign and or stock a new lens and all the associated powers now we have to make the de- same decision about the toric availability for that lens and uh, the lower or the higher powers and then also we have to make the decision okay well what are we willing to let go of now you know what did that technology potentially supplant or replace that we can now move out and are we all okay with that practice pattern uh and and it is quite amazing that we really don't have access yet to a proper OR management software for these types of um, issues. Uh, And um, so I think that there's, we are gonna see a lot more innovation in that space. And there's, um, it's sort of a low hanging fruit in terms of opportunity and need.
1: I agree, George and Mark, not only in terms of managing and uh, the, the lenses is an inventory, but one, um, even technology in artificial intelligence to guide that decision-making process for the surgeons with so many options, right? When the surgeon's sitting there and uh, uh, if the surgeon needs to uh, share all the options with the patients, it's really extremely confusing to the patients, uh, right, so I think is again, it's important. The surgeons they need to be confident. They need to um, really know the technology and, and, and finalize that um, consultation with a recommendation, you know, for the patient. But I think in the future, again, technology can, and artificial intelligence can really help us.
0: And that's something that we're working on right now for the Bausch and Lomb uh, Intelligence Project is to to really try to use AI to help us look at immediate diagnostic data. And before the surgeon enters the room, give the surgeon a heads up on what might be some factors in the data that would influence the lenses they may discuss with the patient. So let's say there's a particular patient and this patient has undergone RK surgery or hyperopic LASIK in the past and their cornea has a certain spherical aberration there may be certain lenses with negative spherical aberration that would add to the corneas negative spherical aberration and actually could make their vision worse whereas we might in that case reach for an older lens that may have positive spherical aberration that might better match the cornea likewise a patient that perhaps has a very high amount of coma uh, might not be the best candidate for say an EDOF or a trifocal lens and that surgeon may not be experienced and may not be using these lenses enough to to look for that before they walk in the room, they get the patient all excited about what, let's say a, a panoptics can do, all these three distances, and then the outcome is not what either the patient or the surgeon expected. So perhaps using technology to harness some of the data from our diagnostic machines, help the surgeon narrow down the list of lenses that are appropriate for the patient, prior to entering that room so that you can really optimize that chair time.
1: This is fantastic, right? And of course, we can add a person's, uh, patient's personality, yes. daily activities, hobbies. Uh, that will be really great to
0: surgeons. And George, do you, do, you, do you guys employ, a uh, say, a questionnaire that the patients fill out, or do you give information about certain lenses prior to the day of their preoperative exam?
2: You know, our, um, our, our practice is somewhat unique in that um, we uh, provide information on the services that we provide in advance um, virtually, but we've made a decision um, to somewhat uh, create more of an outcomes-based experience and not a technology-based experience Uh in terms of our education and our counseling. Um, and the, and I, and, and it's interesting in the spirit of our, this wonderful conversation, that's we, this is almost an, um, we feel almost a necessity these days in a way because there's just so much technology available. And we, we kind of transitioned to this approach kind of the last four years, four to five years. Um, where we really started you know with the expanded category of edof, um and the rapid improvement in the um approval process by the fda and just getting access to more and more technologies um and it it really streamlined our approach and now we we hardly even talk about the words astigmatism and and uh, uh presbyopia let alone the different technologies we really just talk about outcomes, and you know what is it that you're looking for? What are you a candidate for? And um, and we're going to deliver that uh, to the best of our ability, depending on your candidacy. Um, and and then we kind of do the decision making process and just tell them what we what outcome we think that they are a candidate for. And it's amazing how that streamlined the approach. And you know the amazing thing about this is we are almost um, we are usually using a different lens for each eye, not always, but often. And we're not even really talking about that in detail in terms of the technology differences to avoid confusion. Um, it's really just outcome. What, what about you two, uh, Mark? Um, what, how have you all approached this?
0: I, I completely applaud you because I think that's the right approach. And that's the approach that we've really turned to uh, just in the last year and a half, I'd say. So we're a little behind you guys, but I agree with you. You don't want to lead with the technology. It's not, people get lost in the names and the technology. What really matters to them is what they want out of the surgery. What is their desire? And some patients, you know, I, I treat a lot of Delta Airlines pilots, and they want as crisp, sharp, perfect distance vision as possible. They're okay with wearing reading glasses. That's going to lead me in a very different discussion than someone says, you know, I don't drive much at night. I really love working. I'm on my phone most of the day. I'm on the computer. I like to knit. Plus, I want to watch TV. That begins to lead me towards another set of outcomes. And so I think basing it on outcomes, and so often I, I the patients in the chair and they say, Doctor, what would you recommend? And I hate to say it because we've we've worked so hard to get away from paternalistic medicine, but at the end of the day, we know these lenses better than anybody else. And so I think your approach or you're asking for what outcome do you want as a patient can help us best advise them on the lens that's going to get them
1: there. Yeah, I agree. And I think George likes to, you know, the way that he talks to patients is a focus problem, right? We can fix your distance or your intermediate, your computer vision, your functional vision, and your reading vision. So instead of, you know, using complex terms and and, and talking about the technology. This is a fantastic approach.
0: One thing I think has been very helpful is is also using technology in that exam room. So uh, there's a great service that I use called Rendia. And what Rendia can do is it allows you to show immediate pictures of the patient's eye, their condition, their cataract. Um, But they have a new feature where they show the outcomes for different lenses. And I find it's It's so much more helpful to show the patient sort of a ring around a car headlight at night uh, to talk about the glare and then show them what a different lens might look like. People can grasp that, I think, a lot better than using these big terms uh, that we had used in the past. So that visualization tool right there in the room I found has been very helpful.
1: So, Mark, I worked in the past with a very fancy device that we used to call adaptive optics, that you can actually simulate vision and aberrations and outcomes. And um, there was a bench optics, huge devices, but now those devices are compact and and coming up hopefully soon, you know, like simulators that you can use in clinic um, and it would be great with patients with dysfunctional lens, someone with not like a dense cataract, that you can really show the patients, you know, real time um, outcomes of correcting distance vision only or EDOF lens or a trifocal lens. Um, so I think that for the future, I'm excited about um, uh, visual simulators.
2: That would be Fantastic. We're, yeah, we're we're actually just about to launch the um, pilot program for Two Eyes Vision, uh, which is an in-office uh, visual simulator of the different commercially available lenses uh, that allow you in a binocular circumstance to actually experience the um, the the visual experience uh, by just putting on a, a headset, which is going to be. Um, I, I, potentially a, um, a very um, useful tool, and, and have a, a far-reaching uh, implications, and uh, and so we're we're really excited about this. The other thing, you know, to 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 Mark's point about in-office education, is we um, have some very easy tricks by just not only utilizing these fa- fabulous tools we have at our uh, fingertips now, like Rendia, but also uh taking them on a tour of their eye but in uh, client-centric terms um just showing them their own um their own eye their own circumstances but again talking about it in a way that helps them understand what we can fix while the few minutes we're in there working and what's at stake for the rest of their life you know the opportunity that for the rest of their life and, um, and it's amazing because we can do all this without really even talking about the technicality of the technology um, and uh, in a way that I, so I think in a lot of ways, it just resonates um, much more and helps them feel more comfortable with our with our decision-making process.
0: I, I agree with you. I think it, it helps the patient so much in their decision-making process, but I think it it also helps the surgeon. It protects you a little bit because you really don't want to put in a lens that you know is going to cause a little distortion at night. Um, and have the patient come back later and say, you know, I'm really unhappy. Why didn't you tell me about this particular side effect to this lens choice? And you can say, you know, we did, we, we discussed it And here. Remember, here's what we looked at together. Um, because we're, we're out there, we're trying to get the best vision for our patients, and we're trying to educate them. Um, but sometimes, you know, we're covering a lot of material. Patients can forget a little bit. And it's important for us to be open and honest with what can these lenses do? Some amazing things, but they are not perfect. We're not making a patient 20 years old again. And it is important for us as surgeons to be open and honest with patients and make sure that they understand some of the limitations of these great lenses as well.
2: It, it's so important to do that. Uh, and, um, and it's, you know, it's just a, one of the little pearls that we've learned over the years was to, to explain that it's something that they are going to experience. And it's in a way we, not only do we anticipate it, but we want to know that they're seeing it because that's how we know that the implants are doing their job because it's, they're seeing the optics of the lenses. They're seeing the lenses work. And, um, and it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's, it's funny how that one discussion point, uh, has, um, really also changed the landscape and, and the, um, setting expectations of, of these advanced lenses. Mark, I, um, I'm, I'm kind of curious, uh, maybe just real top level on as we, um, uh, as we start to close up, maybe what you see for the future. Um, in terms of how is the landscape going to change? You've alluded to some of the innovations, but um, with so many different options, well, where do you see this going?
0: Well, I think, for one, we've got some great software tools that are available now and coming out in the next year. So, you know, Zeiss really led the way with Veracity, and now, Alcons can be getting into the field with their digital health solutions, Bausch and Long with their intelligence. And what these things do is they, they really help you, as a surgeon, collate all this information. We've, we've not touched upon tonight all the different diagnostic machines. That could be a whole other podcast. But with all these different diagnostic machines spitting out keratometric readings and axes for astigmatism and maybe information on higher order aberrations. How do you keep all this complexity for the diagnostics in your mind as a surgeon as you're then facing this huge array of these specialty lenses? And I think the beauty is these platforms are helping us gather the information very accurately and presenting it in an organized fashion that makes it easier to choose the right lens powers and the right lens choices when it comes time to do that. So I think that piece of the technology is gonna get a lot better. For those who are in the hot seat trying to manage these IOL inventories, I think um, software is going to be available that's going to help digitize this. Uh, Certainly they'll be using uh, QR codes, they'll be using barcodes to scan lenses and inventories. Um, It's gonna help us keep better track of what lenses in each patient's eye. There's a safety factor there as well. One thing to circle back to that, that George, you had mentioned earlier is, is you know, the education of the surgeons about all these different lenses, but we have to think about the education of the staff as well. Um, you had mentioned the costs are changing constantly, and so it's important that your surgery counselor be up to date on the lenses you're using and the cost factors behind them. And then something that I forgot myself this week, so I was in surgery yesterday, and I was using a new preloaded lens that my or assistant had never seen before. And I had simply taken for granted that she knew how to use this preloaded lens. Um, so it's important to think of your whole staff and are they up to date on all these lenses that we're using? But I, I'd say take heart. We, we have so many options to help our patients. It is a golden age of IOLs. Um, and learning how to best choose and adapt each lens to meet the patient's desired outcomes. Um, It requires a little bit of work, a little bit of hustle, but it is worth it in the long run.
1: Mark, George, great discussions. I think the future is bright and exciting in ophthalmology. Um, Again, I think everything starts with that pre-op testing, imaging that can help us. And as you mentioned, Mark, we we need to communicate, right? Clinic, staff, OR, um, technology can definitely help increase efficiency as you um, discuss in your paper, um, visual simulators, you need really to show patients what to expect. And of course, we all want a happy patients. That's what matters. Thank you so much for joining us today and great job.
2: That was a fabulous discussion. I really enjoyed it. And Mark, great, great being with you, Carolini. Thanks for doing such a wonderful job um, moderating top level thoughts.
0: Thank you both for the invitation to to get a chance to speak with you on this podcast. I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, I've learned a few pearls tonight uh, that I'm going to be taking back and putting to use as early as tomorrow. So
2: thanks, everybody.
1: Having so many IOL options at our fingertips present many advantages, but it's easy to get overwhelmed, and it would be remiss not to mention some of the potential pitfalls. Dr. Lobanoff and Dr. Waring, thank you so much for joining me to discourage your articles from the February issue of, of CRST. Efficient IOL inventory management will only grow increasingly important as the available options continue to expand as will the importance of educating yourself and your patients about the pros and cons of the latest presbyopia-correcting IOLs. I hope that this episode and the February issue of CRST can be a guiding light in this regard. I'm Caroline Meyer rosha and this has been CRST, the podcast. Thank you for listening.
2: For more on Drs. Lobanoff and Waring's articles, and to read all of those featured in the February issue, head over to crstoday.com. And for more shows like the one you just listened to, check out the podcast channel on itube.net.